0: hello everybody and welcome to the house divided podcast with yours truly uh, I'm brendan and my co-host is jeremy as normal jeremy uh, how's your week been?
1: uh it's been pretty good uh you know last weekend uh, all that happened was that wolves didn't play the bears didn't play I don't think sports happened last weekend so you know pretty relaxing uh nothing <laughs> nothing even to talk I don't even know what we're going to talk about this week so uh <laughs> no it's actually been it's been uh yeah, it's been pretty good. I think it's uh since Saturday. I, I've I thought about it actually yesterday that I think I've done like the, the stages of grief that we that they always talk about. Yeah. Uh I could I could pretty well chart what I'm where I'm at. So I think uh we're moving through the five stages here <laughs> and uh and getting healthy just in time for a buy, which is probably a good thing.
0: Yep. And uh we have We definitely have something to cheer you up today, because today is our Michigan State basketball preview, and that should cheer up anybody who roots for anything green and white, because they have a hell of a team coming through this year, but we'll get to that later in the show. Um, We're actually going to start with Michigan this week, who uh, uh, who, uh, played a far too interesting game against Illinois last Saturday, and now has Penn State on the horizons this week. But let's dig into that Illinois game, shall we? Uh, Michigan wins 42-25. to Doesn't cover the spread by about four points, but it was in a much more interesting fashion than you would think it was just by my description there. Um, For those of you who maybe missed the game or don't care or just have been trying to scrub it from your memory for the past five days, Michigan went up twenty-eight to zero. It looked very close to the twenty sixteen Michigan Rutgers game, and then Illinois scored twenty-five straight points over the next quarter and a half to get it within three. And then Michigan scored two unanswered touchdowns to go up 42-25, and that's how the game ended. Um,
1: to piece Illinois of, of giving you uh, some turnovers and making it making it ugly too. <laughs> oh, it was so ugly.
0: Um, So I guess we could start on the offense who in the first half didn't really have to throw the ball that much because Illinois respected the quarterback run game when they absolutely shouldn't have. So the running backs were getting a lot of yards. Uh, Charbonnet and Haskins both ended up over 100, which is pretty impressive. Um, and, And that's how they got it going. But despite the 42 points scored, obviously one of those coming on a one yard touchdown drive after Carlo Kemp got, and I think they counted as a fumble recovery, but it was an interception. Um, Still not very impressive. Still has a lot of people worried going into this weekend in happy Valley. Uh, Did did you catch much of this game?
1: Yeah. So that was actually going to lead into probably like uh, my first question for you. So uh. You know, I, I had the house to myself last week, so I was just going to do the the marathon of sports and, and everything. So started off uh, with the mission game on the TV, you know, saw them basically get nine, 10, 11 yards every time they ran the ball. It looked like it was just going to be another type of a Rutgers type game, a blowout that you guys just kind of put them away. Uh, they were not able to hold the edge on you and and for everything, so so what happened? Because <laughs> because I so basically I watched like I said. So to answer your question, I basically watched most of the first half, um, and then Ray right when halftime hit, uh, you know, went to go get some supplies, make some food. Uh, so what what did they go away from the run game? Did they uh, start to stop you? What kind of happened there?
0: They realized that Shea Patterson was not going to keep the ball. And so they weren't worried about him at all. And as has happened the rest of the season, the Wolverines couldn't get anything more on the ground after that. Once the teams knew that they don't have to respect Shea Patterson as a runner, they don't even worry about the zone read. The whole, the whole purpose of the zone read is to have two different options. Running it from the shotgun you're, there's supposed to be two options to carry the ball and that's what keeps the defense off balance so when you run it from the shotgun and there's only one option to keep the ball they can zone in on him and pretty much continue to nothing and that's exactly what happened again um so don't ask me why illinois wasn't early. they were <laughs> respecting the patterson run in the first half because uh, i have no idea there's nothing on film all season other than like A couple runs here there I think Patterson had one on Saturday as well where it was a key third and whatever and he actually kept it and got almost 10 yards but that really was the beginning of it and then um, it it just then on the other side of the ball Illinois went tempo which is also something that Michigan has proven they can't really handle uh, on that side of the ball on defense and it, just, it was kind of a death by a thousand paper cuts type of offense. They weren't hitting huge plays, but lots of crosses, crossing routes over the middle. Not as much to like the point where Michigan fans were crying about it like they have been ever since that Ohio State <laughs> game last year. But uh, they just went tempo and made some pretty decent plays and uh, also hit like a 54-yard field goal in the middle of this uh, comeback effort. Which was pretty crazy to me, because Michigan can't find a field goal kicker to hit a thirty yarder.
1: Yeah, I just say Quinn had another rough game. So uh, yeah, and that's a
0: weekend. Yeah, maybe it's a thirty four yarder. I it is crazy. College kickers are the stupidest thing. Not the people. I'm sure they're very att- intelligent. <laughs> but like literally every Michigan fan went into this year thinking, "Man, we have two two kickers." Jake Moody was rock solid last year, and You know Quinn Nordeen kind of lost his consistency, but he's still got that leg to hit it from deep. And now we are sitting here um, going into week eight, and it just feels like Michigan, unless they're within the 10-yard line, shouldn't be kicking field goals anymore.
1: Yeah, yeah. Now you you still haven't cured the yips from uh, whatever got Quinn Nordeen last year, and now he's not kicking from long, and your short kicks are gone, so... Yeah, it's going to be fun when we watch MSU and Michigan uh, play a 6-3 game with nine field goal attempts and three made.
0: That so game is uh, going to be so disgusting. I, I, I don't know if you saw the tweet I had, but it was a joke um, that Michigan should wear the maze and that Michigan State should wear the, black, the, the dark green with the neon just to make this matchup as disgusting as possible. That's true. That's yeah, true. I mean, Make it
1: as unaesthetically a pleasing as
0: you can. Yeah, I mean, the football is going to be just awful. It'll be in the snow, too, because, you know, that's how these things See, go.
1: I don't know. Snow is pretty. It's going to be like an ugly sleet. Maybe we'll yeah. just repeat the John O'corn rain oh, where it looks like, like. I like the way that Ace said it on Twitter, I think, where he said it, uh, he attended a football game that took place inside of a dishwasher i think that's uh, how i
0: felt in there man i i was there for that too and i i have never felt ran like that and it was just swirling in the stadium yeah it was gross that dishwasher analogy is fantastic
1: yeah yeah i uh i attended a, a muskegon redneck wedding that i didn't want to go to so yeah we could just uh, i'll have to go to muskegon i guess for the for some random wedding in a strip mall, uh, <laughs> just uh just to give myself the same feeling and yeah it's it's going to be ugly so 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 then i guess we can kind of transition to the defense here uh 25 points in a row for for illinois was it something where they were getting just a lot of short fields was it you know they, they actually got, got something going fields. or
0: they got a couple short fields because michigan doesn't know how to hold on to the football um like literally they had three Three fumbles, two of them lost. Um, the culprits this time: True Wilson lost a fumble. True
1: oh, yeah. Wilson, I who is that like, one.
0: he is like old, reliable, you would think. Uh, but yeah, he lost one. Charbonnet lost one on a situation where I think it was he was trying to stretch out and get an extra yard, and he got it knocked out. And then Patterson lost one again, where it was just he lost it at the mesh point. And luckily, they got that one back. But um, yeah, there was a couple of short fields in there. But if I'm being honest, there was 55, 60 yard drives, uh, I believe, uh, from Illinois, whose offense isn't supposed to be anything special, especially missing Brandon Peters. Um, although Mike Robinson, I think it's definitely Robinson. Let me Matt Robinson, my mistake. Who actually is the nephew of former Michigan defensive coordinator Greg Robinson. And uh, he actually had a really solid game. Um,
1: I think he went – I appreciate you telling me that because I did not know what all the Greg references – I knew, like, that they were referencing Greg Robinson all day, but Uh I just couldn't believe that Greg Robinson was employed. So now I get the revenge of Greg. Okay.
0: No, nope, yep. it's he is the nephew of Gerg, and um, oh my god, and hey, he that, plays that, offense. That's just yeah, sixteen uh, to twenty-five, one hundred and ninety-two yards and a touchdown. Um, albeit, yeah, he wasn't bad, albeit a twenty-nine point five QBR on ESPN's metric, but uh, <laughs> which I don't understand because Shea Patterson was eleven through eleven for twenty-two, and he got an eighty-five point five QBR. For those who don't know, that's out of a hundred, um. I don't understand
1: the, the I'm assuming it's sixty percent rivals ratings,
0: yeah, yeah, he had three touchdowns, so I don't know if they just heavily um factor those in, but yeah, back to the defense, sorry, if I keep getting sidetracked um no, the defense honestly for three quarters looks really good again, but when Illinois went tempo, I think it caught him off guard at first and they just didn't know how to recover until they had a – I think they got like one stop, and it just kind of got their confidence back. But at a very interesting point in this game, it was 28-25 at that point in the fourth quarter when Michigan was getting the ball back, and they end up driving and making a 10-point game. But in, this is a game where Jordan Glasgow blocks a punt to provide a very short field for the Michigan offense. If he doesn't get to that, Michigan's down 24-21. to 21 in the fourth quarter against illinois that is not okay (laughs) that is not okay for against an illinois team who i'm pretty sure is still just on par with rutgers maybe a little bit better um it did feel like lovey smith was pulling out a lot of creativity this game i've watched a for some reason, I think mostly because of betting purposes, I've had to watch Illinois football two or three times before this week, um, and, and there was nothing really that uh, that striking about the play calling all season I had seen for them, but they were pulling out lots of stuff. So I think it might have been some of that big game factor. But, yeah, I I genuinely am shocked at how poorly this game went for Michigan. <laughs>
1: Yeah, it was uh, definitely something where, you know, it, if you like were to watch it on social media, it was kind of put away early. Everyone kind of flipped over. You have Texas OU going on. You have uh, just better games to watch, frankly, um, yep. than whatever – than, you know, watching Big Noon Saturday being uh, <laughs> Michigan-Illinois. But, yeah, then around the third quarter, it was just like, well, we should maybe all start to tune back in. Uh, which as an MSU fan, we've already seen this story. As soon as we flip back over, that's when you guys get 10 straight, you know, and it's not a game anymore. But I was surprised it it stayed a game for longer than I thought it would uh, once I flipped over. So, yeah, it did not seem like it was a relaxing game uh, to go into Penn State this weekend.
0: No, and that's a great transition because we should just get into that. ESPN's website sucks. Um I keep on getting these ads playing. I'm trying to look at uh scores. But yeah, let's head let's head into that Michigan Penn State game. Um yeah.
1: how you feeling about another whiteout? Bad Amazon's not gonna be there this time, so you don't have to watch this in August. Um oh, uh whether You're it not- goes good or bad.
0: You know, honestly I loved the Amazon series. I know many Michigan I mean, I, fans were like, oh, I'm sure I know Michigan State fans loved the Amazon series. but
1: No, I was um, going to say, I like any behind-the-scenes show. I, I watch for teams that I don't even know, sports I don't even know. Any, you give me any behind-the-scenes show, uh, and I'm, I'm there.
0: Yeah, um, I, I loved it, and I loved seeing the inside of what happened. And, you know, while it may not have been the story I wanted, to see told i would have much rather had that 2016 team uh recorded by amazon or even twenty eighteen. Right. but uh still a fascinating look inside to the absolute shit storm that was michigan football that year yeah
1: um, i think the only thing i came away from was i was if, if amazon could do it again i know they want to choose a program with a good name i, I would love to see them do like a program that's like trying to get out there because it, it did kind of come off like I'm sure Michigan shut the door on a lot oh, of things yeah. being shown. Oh, uh, yeah. So I would love to see that version. Like, you know, I, I don't know if you've been following the, uh, the 24 sevens that are going on for all the college football, but this week they're at, uh, Herm Edwards and Arizona state. And that could be some fantastic television. So I'm, yeah. I'm looking forward to that, but on the good bright side, they already did Penn state. So you do not have to see the behind the scenes of, of James Franklin, uh, Paying young ladies to cover up their MSU shirts on campus with uh, his a shirt off his back. So He's such a weirdo. Uh, is not he? D- he? is.
0: God. Yeah. That story. For those who didn't see that story, James Franklin <laughs> was just walking around campus at Penn State and saw a girl in an MSU shirt and literally gave her the vest that he was wearing to cover up the Spartan logo. Like uh, Jim Harbaugh's done some weird things. But, jeez, James James Franklin is such a weird dude. James,
1: James Franklin is a football coach that they poured out of a marketing beaker, and yeah. it's just gross. Uh, yeah. And I have to say, just to that young lady, I hope you're a fan and I hope you're listening. Can you just throw away your MSU shirt? Don't be embarrassed. Don't cover it up because some guy asked you to. It's 2019. You have the right to tell him no. Yeah. So, uh, and you have always have had that right. So you need to just tell him no. Don't pose for the picture. Come on, where are your MSU stuff proud. You're probably there for grad school. You yeah. Know, don't don't play into his game. Yeah. But so so yes, yeah, so you have the whiteout Saturday. What what's the psyche of a Michigan fan right now? Where are you guys at? Uh what's your chances for you know, when are you thinking it's gonna be ugly? Like where where are you guys at?
0: Um not good not in a good place, man. Uh, I really <laughs> do not see this going Michigan's way. And uh, we'll get to all the cover stuff later in the show. But um, I, Michigan has not performed well on the road in Jim Harbaugh's tenure as coach. Um, they specifically have really not performed well on the road in this season. Uh, you know, we only have a two game sample size out of six, but it was getting beat 35 14 by Wisconsin in a game that was over in the second quarter and then going to Illinois. Uh, which was probably about a half of a Michigan crowd. And still just being away from home, they still go out and are at one point only up by three in the fourth quarter to one of the worst teams in the big Ten. So uh, it's hard to see Happy Valley as the place where they straighten these road issues out. Um, I also just think that Penn State's defense has looked absolutely terrific this year. Um, just unbelievable from them, and this isn't really as big of a factor, but it just makes it reminds me of two years ago when Michigan played uh, Penn State at on the road in Happy Valley. I believe that was a one-loss Michigan team going into Happy Valley in mid-October, and Michigan was the first of the Big Three in the East that Penn State had to play. And that's the same again this year. Uh, And that's Michigan, Michigan State, and Ohio State. And James Franklin, is uh, he's kind of big on saving the certain stuff for the big games, those three big games specifically. And so he's got a – I'm assuming we're going to get some things unveiled at our cost. Um, I just really don't feel good about it, and I don't see – literally a single piece of evidence that's telling me I should feel good about it do you have any
1: ideas so the only thing that I can think of and I haven't dove probably as deep as you have into the uh into the matchup but I plan as you know as both an MSU fan and doing this podcast but also you know with us playing Penn State next week probably I actually have not seen much of Penn State this year I caught a little bit of the Iowa game uh, but beyond that, I have to be honest. I don't think I've seen any other Penn State game this season. So, um, you know, the only thing I can see is can you guys lean on your defense to keep it close and do basically the typical underdog on the road, you know, blueprint, which is just get it so it's close late and you know you you luck out or not really luck out, but you you turn it into an ugly game and and win a close. Low-scoring game because uh, I don't know. Do you, I have to assume your defense matches up probably as their toughest, uh, you know, toughest defense they've played all season. Yeah, either us or Iowa, but I I would rate Michigan's
0: defense a little bit higher than Iowa's. I, I agree with that. I think it's going to be a tough matchup for um, for that Penn State offense, and you know, Saquon Barkley and Trace McSorley aren't walking through that door because uh, I was going to say that. In back in the 2017 matchup, drawing a lot of parallels. That was a really good Michigan defense that went in there and got beat and let go 42 points. Uh, but I don't think this Penn State team has the same offensive talent. Um, but, but still, I got to think they're going to get their 20, 25, 30 points outside of if you have some turnovers happening or if Don Brown draws up another game similar to the Iowa game um then i would say they're going to score between 20 and 30 points and again without turnovers i can't see michigan's offense getting there um but i think you're right completely though going going into this game it, it's probably going to be a gotta make it a really sloppy game low scoring michigan's not winning a shootout here um try and force some turnovers just frustrate that offense. And, you know, honestly, if you can get on the board early, maybe get a lead and quiet that crowd down quickly, I think it would be very advantageous for Michigan.
1: Yeah, I wonder, you know, you mentioned uh, uh, Franklin kind of holding back. I wonder if uh, there is anything that Gaddis or uh, Harbaugh can pull out. Just to I, – I know you're at 5-1. You don't and really need to feel desperate to – to throw everything in now. And obviously, as a Michigan fan, you probably want to save that for November and save it for Ohio State. Uh, But I do wonder if they've got something that, you know, they maybe haven't shown us yet that they can can pull out because it it feels like that's what needs to happen uh, for Michigan to go on the road and win this game.
0: It it does, but then, you know... The way this season has opened for Michigan, it's not going to look pretty, I'm pretty sure no matter. I mean, I would love a win on Saturday and it would completely rejuvenate hopes for this season. If you can go into that environment against a number 7 team in the country and pull out a win, then yeah, you're I'm going to be feeling great Saturday night. But then like for as far as pulling stuff out, what are they going to pull out here that they didn't try? In a fourteen to zero game, and you have the ball at at, uh, Camp Randall a couple weeks ago, which would just be a completely frustrating thing in it in itself. Uh, But yeah, no, I I would be very hopeful for Michigan maybe pulling some stuff out this weekend if they can make this close. I do feel good about their chances because of James Franklin' uh, mind boggling decisions in close games. He has a (laughs) track record of those. Um, if it's within a possession going into the fourth quarter, and further into the fourth quarter, I actually feel pretty good about Michigan's chances, and, you know, you, you hope that the talent can take over, and you, you get big games from Donovan Peoples-Jones, or hopefully Nico Collins is healthy enough to go this week. Um, yeah, and that's what you got to hope for as a Michigan fan, and, you know, they're a nine-point underdog. That's not great if you're looking at Uh, the trend of how that this, these games tend to go and Harbaugh is the underdog at Michigan, but yeah, I mean, we'll wait and see Saturday night. I have been miserable about this game all week yet. It is Thursday night and you know, every day I get a little bit more excited because that's what sports are. Right. We know it's probably not going to go our way, but what if it does? (laughs) It'll be so much fun. So I'm not going to remain hopeless, but it's a long shot for sure. Tempered expectations going into the weekend, yeah.
1: Yeah, so it's so crazy to think of a 5-1 team, but you, if you didn't look at the record and you just looked at, kind of took the temperature of the Michigan fan base, you would have no idea that they are 5-1 right now. You'd have no clue. Uh, they, it, it is not a great place. <laughs> it, it, it's <laughs> uh, what's happened,
0: you know. The Harbaugh comes back to Michigan, and it's hot off of a run where he, you know he went to I think two out of three or three out of four NFC Championship games, right off a Super Bowl run, and everybody thinks he's the savior. And so fans fans call him the savior. Media is kind of saying like, hey, this could be the turnaround for Michigan, which just fuels the fans' fire even more. And, uh, that perfect storm of incredible expectations. And now we're in year five and it sucks to think that not making the playoff is the mark that we're after. Um, but then not beating Ohio state factors in and yeah, this is just, here we are. We are halfway through the season in Jim Harbaugh's fifth year and he's five and one and we're seeing fire Harbaugh tweets. Yeah. Can we, yeah. can we talk about your depressing thing now? Because I'm uh, can, kind of over. Can we? It.
1: Yeah, yeah. We might as well. Uh, we're already in the pit. We might as well keep digging a little bit lower. I guess, huh?
0: Yeah, I guess so. So, uh, oh. thirty-eight to zero again,
1: huh? Yeah, yeah. That that score line. Uh, when it happens to you against Alabama, and you, uh, you know, you. It's in the playoffs, so you can kind of talk yourself uh, into, uh, you know, accepting that. 38 nothing um, to Wisconsin doesn't feel the same. Uh, no. A program that you – you know, for all for all intents and purposes, that's who you kind of base your program off of, right? And D'Antonio has even said as much that he – you know, he really, when he got to MSU, was basing his program off of being uh, – you know, a, a Kirk Ferentz or uh Alvarez, Wisconsin. And so that means that sure, you're gonna lose your fair share of games, so then you're not gonna win every game. But the thirty eight to nothing showing that wide of a gap, um, that was pretty deflating. Uh, and I think I think like I said earlier, we, we went through the five stages of grief with uh I wouldn't say it was denial as in denial of I can't believe we just got blown out by Wisconsin, but I think Saturday, my denial was, and I, and I hate this because I hate the sports radio guys that do this, the Q word kept popping up in my head a lot. Um, and, I, and I had to honestly wonder, were kids quitting on the season? Uh, it. I've seen the Nintendo teams get blown out. Uh, I've seen the Nintendo teams lose to teams that they are better than because they just weren't ready to play or they just kind of took it a little too easy. Uh, I've never seen a team look... That just deflated. Um, So, yeah, then we moved into anger on Monday. And (laughs) uh, and I think you can tell I'm kind of in that like bargaining stuff bot now. (laughs)
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, Where we're trying to figure out what we're going to do with the rest of the season. But, um, yeah, it was at no point did they show up for that game. Uh, You know, even with the fake punt, you know, D'Antonio had to going to the offensive huddle and it seemed like he was the only one trying, he was trying to fire them up and that, that was doing nothing. And then you get the fake punt and then you take a bunch of penalties, move backwards and you end up punting. So it was beginning to end the, probably the worst game I've seen since uh, we played Alabama the first time in the capital one bowl. So uh, that is about as bad of an effort as I've seen from the D'Antonio team. Uh, so it's it's going to be interesting to see what shows up against Penn State next week.
0: Oh, it's going to be really interesting. I mean, the, we are at the crux of the Big Ten East season here when you have all three of the uh, the teams chasing Ohio State, uh, playing each other within a couple weeks. Um, you know, in, in, I completely understand. I, I'm not saying I advocate not even saying kids quitting on a game, but um, going on the road to play Ohio state and then following it up with another road trip to Wisconsin doesn't sound like a fun time. And I think we saw that it's not with a 72 to 10 aggregate score line. Um, but like, I tell you, like, I, I guess we can start a little uh, Wisconsin Survivors support group because that style of football it just it's hard on me just to sit at home and watch it you know having them run it and even though they're only getting four or five yards that four or five yards is consistent every play and you just can't get off the field and then jack Cohn, who looks like the most unathletic dude you've ever seen play quarterback in the big 10 since clayton thorson last year and then he's making these stupid throws that somehow end up being either huge gains or touchdowns you know it it's a demoralizing thing to play against Wisconsin. and so Oh, yeah. They I, they
1: get you into the I, – I think by about the second quarter, on like the second drive in a row that MSU should have gotten off the field but took a stupid offside for lining up in the neutral zone, I was already in maniacally laughing at my depression yeah. uh, mode where you're just laughing like, of course you – Kenny Wilkis, who is the star of his defense, would line up in the neutral zone when we finally can get them off the field. Yep. And let's let's be honest, it was fourteen to nothing at halftime. And MSU had ran I think it was eighteen plays in the yep. first half and held the ball for five minutes of the first half. It was fourteen to nothing. It might as well have been four hundred to nothing. It, the game was over. Uh, and I've never had that feeling where you're only down 14 nothing, and you're already like, yep, that's the game. There is yeah. no way we're coming back. Because, yeah. A, we might only get two possessions, so <laughs> we have to shut them out and score twice. Uh, and, yeah, it was – that's about the most demoralizing game, like I said, outside of maybe the Capital One Bowl uh, way back in the, uh, the early days of D'Antonio
0: yeah yeah I mean there isn't there isn't any analysis to do here much really. I mean, Wisconsin is just a ridiculous team, and Michigan state and Michigan at this point don't look like they are uh, excellent. They look like they might be pretty good on some days and not so good on the others. Um, so Michigan state, yeah, it'll be really interesting. You get a bye week. Before uh, headed playing Penn State, that's a home game, right?
1: Yeah, we're uh, it's a home game uh, next Saturday, and I will be in attendance for I'm sure multiple fired Antonio comments in like the first quarter. So yeah, yeah. yeah it'll be uh, yeah. it'll be an interesting time. <laughs> it will be
0: interesting, but I, I'm really looking forward to see how the like how how the Michigan State players can react to to what happened because it's not very much like a d'antonio team to to quit in the middle of the season right it's a demoralizing stretch for sure but i think you get that nice reset button this week hopefully come out and uh but it's really interesting when i talked about it being the crux of the big 10 East schedule, minus ohio state um very much dependent on what penn state comes out and does this saturday Because under James Franklin also, if Michigan comes out, even if it's a stupid, ugly game and Penn State outgains them 400 to 200 in yardage, but Michigan just gets turnovers and makes their field goals, you know, like the opposite of what's happened all season. Let's say Michigan gets out with a one-point victory. I don't think they're going to respond well having to travel to East Lansing the next week. So it's going to be – it'll be very interesting uh, for sure. Uh, before we get to the closing thoughts on MSU football for this week, I just want to mention that I cannot wait for Wisconsin and Ohio state to play uh, it sucks. It's in Columbus. I think it'd be a much more interesting game at camp Randall, but um, let's face it. They're probably going to play twice uh, meeting in Indy again in early December. Um, that's going to be a fantastic game. isn't
1: it? Yeah. Yeah. That was what I was thinking when you were talking about the crux of the big 10 East. It's, you know, despite us all having to chase Ohio State, it kind of is bad in a way from uh, you know, on top of that um, looking at while that is going on, Ohio State may take a stumble, uh, which opens up the door for uh, you know, if it's Penn State goes 2-0 these next two weeks, it opens up the door for them, and if Michigan can can win, it opens up the door for them, I think MSU is probably obviously with the, with the head-to-head already being a loss to Ohio State too far out of it, but yeah, this stretch run here in the East, when you combine the teams playing each other plus Ohio State getting Wisconsin, it could really get pretty interesting here.
0: Man, if Wisconsin goes into Columbus next week and takes takes out Ohio State, <laughs> oh, it'd be great. I'm, I'm here for chaos, and the Big Ten has so many weird teams this year. I genuinely think we could get a lot of chaos. So, do you have any final thoughts on MSU uh, before we? Head into uh head into some hockey talk.
1: Uh I you know, at this point it's I would like to just get back to enjoying the football without knowing if I have to go through a coaching search. <laughs> um, you know, it definitely feels like is saying all the right things lately that, that make me think that uh you know, we may not have to go through a coaching search. But yeah, it would be nice to see them show up against Penn State and, and just get this out of the system and kind of wash that taste out of your mouth. Um, so it's, I, I've gone back and forth about a hundred times this week on if I'd rather have a game to go to, or this bye week. And I don't think I'm ever going to decide. So yeah, it's <laughs> uh, hopefully just some good football. i get to watch other teams Saturday and, uh, you know, we can at least see a better effort next Saturday to, to wipe some of this out.
0: Yeah. We picked a hell of a year to start this show because uh, I'm pretty sure (laughs) this is the first year since 2012 that neither Michigan or Michigan State has an elite football team. Like, it's always been kind of like, you know, the 2013, 2014, and 2015 was obviously Michigan State, but then it's been kind of alternate. Like, even that 2017 Michigan State team, they weren't probably elite, but they won enough games and had enough happy moments where you could still count them and that this just feels right slog right now it feels like it's in the middle of july and we're just watching two depressing major league baseball teams which is not what college football should feel like but man week to week this has just been a range of low emotions um and by the way completely forgot forgot the key stat portion for the michigan penn state game um
1: oh yeah let's hear it
0: yeah um, I think Michigan's got to win the turnover battle by three. So you can laugh at cool. me for that. But
1: uh, No, I think I see it, though. Like, I mean, if you want to pull an upset, that's the type of thing you need.
0: Yep. And, uh, yeah, and that's, that's about where we're at going into this game. You know, going into the year, I would hope that I wouldn't have to count on turnovers to beat Penn State in this game. But here we are. Um, and so before like, – let's do the – let's do the against the spread game before we get into hockey just for cohesiveness. Um, yeah, absolutely. Wrap up all the football. Um, I'm three and Oh, are you tanking?
1: (laughs) Yeah. It's, uh, it's one of those things now, right. When you get into one of these games, like I've got to start making the risky picks and it's getting worse and worse every week. Um, yeah, I was feeling pretty proud of myself early on as the games were rolling in early, and you won before we even got to three thirty. So, uh, I will take onus on, uh, you know, hey, I told you MSU couldn't cover, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> which is like the worst celebration I could ever give yeah. right now. And like, I got to do, I, the same do. Thing.
0: I got to tell you that Michigan wouldn't cover. It was great. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so we're just working through some things here on this show we're always just tweeting through it uh that's what we're doing in verbal form so yeah it's um all right it's been, well, a, yeah. it's been a season but hey you know i'm willing to give you the 3 and 0 well earned uh you earlier talked about it. you have a gambling problem when you tell me that you've had multiple reasons to watch illinois football this year so uh <laughs> of course i would be losing <laughs> yeah
0: All right, well, let's head in. I'll let you make the first pick of the night, although I think it looks like a lock. Um, Ohio State traveling to Northwestern on some Friday night. Uh, It's now on Big Ten Network because it got bumped for some baseball, but the baseball got bumped because of Friday night SmackDown. So let's just skip the middle step. Ohio State football got bumped by Friday night SmackDown, WWE. Um, They're 27-and-a-half point favorites on the road against Northwestern. Who you got?
1: Uh give me ohio state there's uh as I was listening today to uh the uh the podcasting play nobody uh preview of the weekend it was brought up by Richard Johnson that northwestern offense is a hundred and twenty fourth in s p plus uh their defense is number five um I don't think the defense is gonna be number five after ohio state <laughs> i think oh, uh, yeah, I think. Michigan State hunt a 31 on Northwestern. At Northwestern, Ohio State could very well hang 31 in the first half. Um, First quarter. So, yeah. And (laughs) and they were talking about how, uh, you know, they'll probably have the starters rested. I was in Ohio Stadium and thought Justin Fields could have been done the entire fourth quarter. Ryan Day, catch Ryan out there. So I don't think they call the dogs off. I that's, think they run this thing up. That's uh, dangerous, though, isn't it? Like,
0: they well, don't have a backup that like they usually do. Usually Ohio State has a backup that is, you know, Cardell Jones or uh, <laughs> Dwayne Haskins. But uh, the, the backup right now, this situation is weird in Columbus. I'm surprised they're not trying to get him more rest.
1: Well, yeah, that was what I was saying in, you know, in the stadium. And then if, if fans remember, if you were watching into the late in the game, even though the game was decided by that point, uh, there was a fumble play where Justin or Justin Fields definitely got his uh, leg rolled up on. So I thought, okay, now he definitely has to be done. Nope. They put him out there for the next series to hand the ball three times. So I do not know what Ryan Day, uh, cares. I don't know if he wants to keep working on things or uh, wants to make his mark. I I do not know, but yeah, I think they just roll over Northwestern. It's going to be ugly.
0: Yeah, me too. I'm taking Ohio state to cover it. I think it's going to be very, very ugly. Um, The next game is uh, we're into the noon slot uh, on Saturday, Wisconsin at Illinois, Wisconsin favored by 31. Uh, It's my turn to pick first. And, you know, last time Wisconsin came out and beat the crap out of a Michigan school and then played a very underwhelming opponent, I said they were going to cover very easily and they didn't. They played Northwestern and I said that I thought they were going to cover a 23 point spread very easily and they only won by like 10. Now they're a 31 point favorite against Illinois. However, seeing what Michigan did. Running the ball against Illinois and knowing how Wisconsin can run the ball, I'm gonna say they're gonna cover, but barely, because they're only gonna have so many possessions in this game. But yeah, it's gonna be like a 35 to zero game. I'm taking Wisconsin.
1: Uh, yeah, give me Wisconsin. I think uh, we focus so much on their offense that I don't think we're talking enough about their defense, uh, which is amazing when you think that they have four shutouts already. Um yeah, the the Wisconsin will do it. I think I think your uh, your point's valid though. It might be hard to get to 31 covering because they're probably gonna have forty-five minutes time of possession. Uh but yeah, I'll I'll take the Badgers. I think I think they learned last time coming out flat against Northwestern. I don't think that's gonna happen this time.
0: Yeah. And the next one, uh, it's your turn to pick. We are looking at Purdue at Iowa. Iowa is a a 17-and-a-half-point favorite, but there are some showers in the forecast, so it could get ugly. Uh, What say you?
1: Uh, I'm going to take your Boilermakers here. Uh, They impressed me a lot last week. Uh, I thought they were just having too many injuries and and they were going to struggle with Maryland, and they put it on them. Um, Yeah, they did. So I think Iowa will win. I I definitely don't think. I would take Purdue to to pull an upset by any means here, but seventeen and a half is a lot of points. Uh, I think Jeff Brom uh, is a is a coach who can keep things closer than uh, than they need to be. So I, I'll take the Boilermakers here.
0: Yep, uh, I'm ooh, I'm gonna take Purdue as well. Um, I really just think that seventeen and a half points is a lot for that Iowa offense, um, who just come completely sputtered two weeks in a row against Michigan and then against Penn State. Um, I don't think Purdue's that good of a football team, albeit they are just completely decimated right now. Um, On the fly, we're going to have to skip Minnesota Rutgers because ESPN isn't giving me a spread. Uh,
1: (laughs) Skipping Rutgers seems like a proper thing to do at all times. So that's ESPN again. ESPN heard you also about you watching too many Illinois games. They want you to make sure that you are by no means watching Rutgers this weekend. So, uh, well, I think that's a good gentleman's agreement to skip Rutgers.
0: Yep. All right. Which leads us to the other 3:30 30 game. Um, Indiana at Maryland. Indiana, a five-and-a-half point favorite on the road. Um, this Maryland team doesn't know what they are. And we know what Indiana is. I think there are two distinct possibilities. I think one is the Maryland team that we've seen, yeah, that we've seen at the beginning of the season, who decimated Syracuse. Uh, it could come out and we could actually see a competitive game, or this Indiana team is going to come out and probably win by fourteen. Um, I'm going to go with the second possibility. I'm going to take Indiana to cover five and a half on the road. Uh, what, what do you think, Jeremy?
1: Uh, the, I think I'm going to take Indiana, too, because I, I will actually disagree with you on one thing. I think we do know what Maryland is, and it's that they're a bad team. Uh, beating up on Howard, beating up uh, on, what was it, Akron, it just doesn't impress me. I Sure, they beat up on Syracuse, uh, but that's starting to look more and more like, A, Syracuse wasn't what we thought they were, uh, and B, that Maryland just got probably their best game of the season from what it looks like. Um they seem like a really bad team. Uh so yeah, I'll take Indiana uh to cover pretty comfortably too. I I don't think Maryland is uh is ready for Michael Penix in that experience.
0: Yeah. I mean you're you're probably right on that. Um yeah, we'll see. We'll see how it goes. I am trying to find – okay, I found a spread for Minnesota Rutgers, so we're going to go back on it. There Um, we go. Yeah, I I was doing my digging. Um, 28.5 points. Minnesota is a road favorite. Uh, I'm taking them to cover. Or wait, no, it's it's your turn to go first, but also – Yeah, either way,
1: it's the Gophers. I don't think we're going to find – you're not going to find a line this season that I think – uh, outside of maybe me just remembering how bad mSU looked against Rutgers last year until mSU plays Rutgers, I will not even consider taking Rutgers with any point amount uh, they I don't know if you saw this because uh, I think it was going on while the mission game was going on did you Did you see the beginning of the Indiana Rutgers game and what happened? No. uh let me let me regale you. It was fourteen nothing within two minutes. Oh, uh, I did because see. the very yes. first play was Rutgers fumbling the ball and Indiana returning it for a touchdown. Yeah, and yeah, then I when saw Indiana, it. yeah,
0: <laughs> I it I did like, see wait. the play, but I did see a screenshot of the play-by-play on ESPN's app, uh, and it was like three plays in, <laughs> fourteen to zero. Um, yes. I hope Rutgers never leaves the Big Ten. This is fantastic. I mean, not really, but you know, we gotta enjoy it while they're here.
1: Here, here, I want to give you another impressive statistic from Rutgers, Indiana, which may be the greatest football game ever played. Uh, Rutgers quarterback, Johnny Langan, no idea. Uh, Brendan, he was 5 of 13 on the day. Would you guess how many yards he threw for? Uh,
0: it wouldn't be fair, because I know.
1: <laughs> it was one yard, yep, ladies one and yard. Threw for he completed one yard. five passes and threw for one yard in an entire Division I football game.
0: And uh, this is where I
1: remind you that they did not play Ohio State. They played Indiana.
0: 0.076. You know what, we'll round it up. 0. 0.08 yards per attempt. Um, we, we often oh. reference poor uh, yards per attempt, uh, in, like in the four or five range as a Trubisky. I don't know what to call this one. Um, It's the Rutgers. But uh, we got to move on. We got to keep storming ahead to what I was not looking forward to. Um, It's uh, Michigan at Penn State. Penn State, the nine-point home favorite. Uh, Jeremy, who do you think covers here?
1: So, I've gone so back and forth on this game. I would not put real money on this game because I just do not know what to think. Um I man, you know, I am not you know me and my uh what I think about James Franklin. I think that he in game coaching is not the greatest. I think he's a perfectly fine person, but just in game not the greatest. And so I'm gonna go with what SP plus tells me and that is that Michigan is gonna cover. Um I think that I think that at some point we are in year five and I know Coaches do not think the way that fans do, and they don't let narrative take over. But in year five, at some point, Jim Harbaugh has to know when he's in a big game and, and punch above what his expectations are. So I think that maybe this is the game. Uh, I don't know if Michigan, that means that they win. But I certainly think that they don't get beat by double digits.
0: That's, that's a bold prediction, and I love it, and I love to hear it. But I also know what's going through your brain because it goes through my brain every time MSU's in a big game. I just, <laughs> I just prepare myself for my rivals enjoying a big win because it's never actually fun to live through. Um, that being said, yeah, I'm going to go with Penn State to cover here, and you know if you listen to the first half of this episode, you can't be shocked because I don't exactly sound super enthusiastic, um, I think Penn State's going to win by between 20 and 25 points. Oh, wow. I, yeah, no, I think Michigan is just uh, – I, I have a bad feeling they're going to go show their ass like they did in Camp Randall a couple weeks ago. Uh, apparently a former, uh, former player of Harbaugh's, he played on the 2017 team. It was anonymous. But he said that one of the things with the road performance is that Jim is just not a big rah-rah guy. And at home, you can make up for that because the guys get to go run, touch the banner. You have 110,000 people all wearing your colors. But um, when you walk out, it can get intimidating. And uh, apparently that support, mental support, isn't there enough. I don't know. I don't even know what to make of that. But I just have this very 2017-esque feeling. that they're going to go out, and maybe it isn't all at once, but eventually it'll be somewhat very similar to the Wisconsin game, not in how we get there, but I think scoreline, uh, like, 31 to 14, 34 to 14, something along those lines. I'm feeling very bad about it, but, uh, you know, hopefully they can prove me wrong. I I would be very open to that, and I'm going to have a hell of a Saturday night if they do.
1: Yeah, yeah. I was going to say, maybe I've seen my team do uh, pretty well punching above their weight against Penn State. I'm trying to rub that off onto you here. That'd be great. Uh, but, yeah, that's uh, 20 to 25. I, I, I sure hope it doesn't happen just for, uh, you know, wanting MSU and Michigan to both show some competence before we play each other in November. Yeah. I would like to not completely have it be – like what I imagine Mississippi State and Mississippi fans feel like every year watching the Egg Bowl. Uh, I would like it to not be that. So uh, I think you guys will show some competence. Uh, maybe lose in a more frustrating fashion that yeah, you had the chances to win and just didn't take them, uh, more so than getting just, you know, your brains beat in. Because I, I, I think you guys are going to show up. I think at some point it's got to set in that yeah, you take are. these games serious. That's that's but the hope. I- you know, yeah. I have to say, I, I'm always taking things from former players with for like a huge grain of salt, especially when they don't name themselves. Because you never know, maybe it was some scrub who was pissed that he never got his playing time. But yeah. not a rah-rah guy. The, the, the I, guy who does like the videos with like, who's got it better than us. Like, I, that seems really hard to believe, man.
0: I know, but then I think back to the Amazon thing. Think about other than the punching the pads of your quarterback and the the who's got it better than us every week. Can you think of anything from that Amazon that stuck out to you as uh, a good speech, like that gets you amped? The only one I can think of is the Don Brown one against Florida uh, at halftime. Um, yeah, I but but I don't know. And we should we have been. Spent a lot of time on football, uh, so we should probably That's move true. on to hockey. Um, and we'll be back with everything big recap of whatever happened Saturday night uh, next week. But moving on to hockey, um, I guess I'll start with last weekend uh, where Michigan played Clarkson, who is a top ten team in the well, they were eleven in the preseason, but they're a top ten ish team and who really impressed me, if I'm being honest. Uh, Michigan walked out of there with a 1-1 tie on Friday night and a – I think it was a 3-1 loss on Saturday night. Um, maybe 4-1 if they got a garbage time goal. I can't really remember as – not in b at the end. That was going to be a joke. Not, not in b about hockey. <laughs> but, um, you know, not a great result for Michigan. Opening up at home – with a tie and a loss, you hope for more, but certainly not a bad result, um, especially with how Clarkson plays with just that absolute shutdown mentality once they get a lead. Um, but, yeah, I, I mean, you I'm sure you didn't see any of these games. I didn't see the Friday night game because Big Ten Network Plus is absolute garbage. But Saturday night's game, I had a couple thoughts on it. So – Griffin Luce, senior defenseman, suspended for this Friday's game against um, Lake Superior State because of a hit he made with less than five minutes left in a two-goal game. They were down 3-1, and he hit a guy in the head against the boards, got a five-minute major, earned himself a suspension. You got to get more out of a senior defenseman. Uh, He was also responsible for the goal that, Uh, Made it two to zero uh, off of just not knowing what he was doing in his own zone. Um,
1: Yeah, it sounds like some Luke Martin type behavior, not a Griffin loose behavior. And I say that as someone who's seen Martin just lose a head gasket, like sitting five feet from him. Uh, So, yeah, that's uh, that's kind of out of the ordinary. I would feel like for Griffin.
0: Yeah, I don't think it was like a an an anger hit. Like uh, I think. I think you might be. Are are you talking about Cutler Martin? Because he was the guy who. uh, There was two Martins. There was Luke, and I don't know if I have the first name right. Oh, man. But I know the dude dude who straight up punched the Ohio State player in the face while he was down a couple years ago, and.
1: um, No, it was. I think it was Luke. I'm assuming he's still on the roster. It was actually. Yeah, Luke um, Martin is still on the
0: roster. Cutler was the dude who. he, he's been off the roster for a couple of years. But no. That, no, that guy always stuck in my mind because I still have the video on my phone. It was when I first got into college hockey. <laughs> I was watching it, and there was a scrum at the end of the Michigan-Ohio State game, and he has this dude on his back, and he has gloves on, but he just rocks him right in the face. <laughs> Earned himself a suspension for that. But, yeah, Griffin Luce, uh, the, he's just a bit slow for me in the defensive zone. And that's what, honestly, that's completely what happened on the second Clarkson goal was he just didn't have the speed to keep up with the forward. Um, But like I said, it was a pretty even game Saturday. Um, Just a huge swing in that game, though, was Michigan had a power play down 2-1 and had the Clarkson goalie. It was a combination of him just standing on his head. And um, Johnny Beecher just missed a wide open net again. Uh, I think it happened to him twice this weekend uh, where it should have been two to two. And then a couple of minutes later, they just on a counter attack. Cause that's all they're trying for at this point in the game. Uh, beat Strauss man over right over his shoulder. Um, but yeah, it was a very critical swing in a game like hockey that can happen. And, you know, it's not the end of the world with a non-conference series. Uh, it, you hope for a little bit more out of out of a home series, but Clarkson's a really good team. It's by no means alarming how Michigan played. Uh, if anything, there was a couple promising things going into this weekend.
1: Yeah, I think the only thing that was concerning is you know uh, offensive struggles were a concern last year. Seems like they could be a concern this year after one weekend. But like you said, uh, Clarkson is. They are prototypical ECAC. They play very defensive. Uh, so, I think mean, it's early to get, uh, you know, too much worked up about that. Yeah. Um, you know, see how they play this weekend with uh, a different matchup instead of, uh, you know, playing a, a team that basically wants to take all the air out of the building and play a very slow style. So,
0: Yep, and it should be a very different matchup against uh, Lake Superior State this weekend. Um, Lake Superior State is actually seventh in pairwise. Right now, I don't know if I'm being completely honest. I don't know how much that means so early in the year. Um,
1: it, it means basically nothing okay, so early in the nothing. year. Um, yeah. But their their
0: track record this year, they've actually played two series instead of just the exhibition and then one series last weekend. So they, they swept yeah. Merrimack, which, I, I mean, good, but it doesn't mean much, I don't think, in the grand scheme of things. Yeah, I would say Merrimack gave
1: up eleven goals to Wisconsin on Saturday. So oh, Lake State so basically did what you what you should do. You yeah. should sweep Merrimack. <laughs> yep, so
0: they, they sweep Merrimack. They hosted Denver last weekend, who should be a very good mm-hmm. team, I believe. Um, yep. they did get swept. The first night was a three one loss, the second night was a four to three, so a bit closer of a loss. Um, but Denver is us- usually a very, very good team. Um, so going into this series again I'm really hoping for a sweep for Michigan um, especially at home they're going to be missing Griffin Luce and most likely Cam York Friday night Cam York also was missing from the Saturday night game Um, people think he might play this weekend but he just trained with the practiced with the team for the first time today uh, since he got injured so I can't see him suiting up tomorrow night so that'll be uh, interesting with Cam York and Griffin Lewis out Friday night. Uh but at worst I'm really hoping for a win and a tie this weekend for out of Michigan. But um it'd be even more important to see the depth scoring <laughs> actually come out of the woodwork to tomorrow
1: night. Yeah, I think Lake State plays a pretty open style. Uh they're you know they've got some talent on offense. They they can score too, but uh if if Michigans come out of this weekend with you know, anything less than four goals on the weekend, that's going to be very disappointing. Uh, so yeah, I would I would hope, uh, regardless of result, uh, you really want to see them fill the net this weekend. Uh, that's going to be key for them. Yep. And
0: uh, yeah, I mean, I mean Strauss, Strauss man played very solid couple games. Um, I was surprised he got both games last weekend, um, but I think that's a good sign for Michigan fans that they're already giving him the whole series against a top 15 team and he played well. So, uh, that's a good sign going forward. And then we can get into Michigan States, uh, hockey. Um, they split the series up at Northern Michigan. I know. Um, you got to watch the Saturday game you said as well. So we're, we're in the same boat there. Um, uh, how, how'd it look for you? Uh,
1: yeah, I mean, Saturday it was, uh, it was a much different game than what it sounded like Friday was Uh Friday featured uh, a lot of, a lot of uh, special teams play, a lot of power plays going on. Um, you know, whereas Saturday was a little bit less than that. And, and uh, it was just a two nothing game compared to a five to three game Friday night uh, with an empty net goal on that one on Friday. So um, yeah, it, you know, Saturday was definitely probably not the game that, uh, as a Michigan State fan, it was the more watchable of the two. Um, you know, Northern Michigan really just shut them down. Uh, they were starting a freshman goaltender on Saturday night, uh, so they definitely uh, were locking it down uh, much more than they were on Friday night. Uh, MSU came out of the series pretty low on shots attempt, but that was mainly all due to Friday, <laughs> to Saturday night rather because uh, they were actually pretty good on try attempts on uh, Friday night. So, um, yeah, I think uh, the, the downside was, just like Michigan, uh, you found a lot of depth scoring, actually, on Friday night. The KHL line or uh, the KL line with a new freshman <laughs> had zero points. Um, they didn't score the goals Friday night. It was actually two defensemen and your captain, Tommy Apap getting two goals. Uh, before Brody Stevens had an empty net goal. So you had the depth scoring, so that's a great start from that perspective. Um, but then you come back the next night and you get shut out. Uh, and and really not just only shut out, but, you know, very low shots on net. Um, it was not a great effort Saturday night. Uh, it was pretty lethargic. So they, they are off this weekend. Uh, chance to just kind of keep the legs going, though, by playing the uh, U.S. Under-18 team. Uh, before they hit the road uh, to go visit Colorado College uh, the following weekend. So, uh, which will be the second Big Ten team to come out there as Minnesota started their season out there as well. So, um, y'all, I will possibly, uh, depending on if Big Ten Plus works for me, be able to see them tomorrow night. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's a little bit of a weird situation where you get the season started and now we take a weekend off.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that is definitely an odd situation. But, um, Definitely just fun to have it back uh, I'm sure it was a For sure. fun fun weekend up at northern Michigan and uh Yoast definitely seemed like it was in a good environment um I'm gonna be there tomorrow night so at, at Yoast, so I'm really excited to uh I'm a little bit bummed I'm not getting to see cam York, but you know still lots of fun stuff to watch with this team and uh with that, we'll move into the Michigan State Basketball Season Preview for Um, 2019-2020. Should we just go by position and then talk expectations, do you think?
1: Yeah, yeah, I think that
0: would be a good way to go through it. All right. So, at point guard, a guy named Cassius Winston, I think, is coming back. Uh, I I don't know if anybody has heard of him, but – (laughs)
1: <laughs> Apparently has pretty
0: high potential for a decent senior year.
1: Yeah, I think uh, when you come back as kind of the consensus leader for player of the year, um, you might be expected to do some things. Uh, yeah, I really wish you know, he did back. Yeah, I was going to say, I don't think Michigan fans are really happy to have him back especially. So <laughs> despite, you know, uh, the chance that they could have laughed at you know, MSU and uh, Tom Izzo doesn't make NBA players, Uh, I think uh, we're pretty happy to have Cassius back. I think he's going to be important to our team uh, next season. So, uh, you know, it's always nice when you can have uh, the point guard position be very solid and something that you don't have to worry about. And I think that's a luxury that MSU goes into this year very much having. Uh, They don't really need to be concerned about, you know, the play at that position.
0: Yeah, I mean, they, what a key position to have uh, one of the best players in the country returning to. Um, I mean, what he did last year, especially down the stretch in the second half, was just unbelievable. He's one of those players where you just wish so badly that he wasn't playing for your rival because he's so much fun to watch. Um, you know, it, it for Michigan State fans, you should just be – savor the last 30 or so games you're going to get to watch this dude play in your uniform because uh it, it he'll he'll have fun i'm um, backing him up we have rocket watts and foster lawyer i believe rocket's a uh point is, is that right
1: yep. yep yeah he'll he'll play the point uh, i wouldn't be surprised if you don't see him uh play the two guard or kind of you know kind of in that way like matt McQuaid last year would sometimes bring the ball up instead of, to give Cassius a rest. I wouldn't be surprised if you have some sets where Cassius is kind of a, a floating two or one with Rocket. Uh, but, yeah, he, he mainly I think is going to be a point guard as well.
0: Yeah. And uh, he, he's a very highly touted uh, freshman coming in. Um should be a very exciting player uh, once he gets time to develop because freshman point guards always take a little bit of time. Um, which brings us to the two position, which I think is probably the biggest key to this Michigan State team as an outsider. And if, if you feel that I'm incorrect, please let me know. But at the two, which is the uh, the shooting guard, um, you have Joshua Langford, who is likely to be the starter, who, you know, he's a very good player, but missed almost all of last year. Um, And some would say the team gelled a little bit more or at least they started gelling after Langford got hurt. Whether that has anything to do with each other, the jury is out. But um, I think this is the biggest question mark going into this year. Is Obviously, Langford's a very good player. How is he going to mesh with the rest of this lineup?
1: Uh, yeah, I think, I think that's a little bit true. I think some people pointed out that uh, other guys kind of filled their roles pretty well once he was out of the lineup but I would also say I think I think honestly the biggest injury last year that allowed for the team to actually play better was when Nick Ward got injured um and Xavier Tillman really uh added so much didn't feel like you had to play Nick so I think that was honestly the bigger uh of the two oh you're I, completely Josh,
0: there. yeah
1: yeah Josh is probably my favorite player to to be honest I I love Josh I think he's you know, my favorite player to watch, Um, but yeah, he's been, you know, last year before he got injured, he did show uh, that he had kicked the habit that he had of taking very long twos, Um, In just 13 games played last year, he had 72 uh, three-point attempts. He had 109, 35 games the year before, Um, so I think he definitely found his spot of taking that step just a little bit further back, don't shoot the long two, shoot the three. Um, And so I think he's going to be very important to this season. The interesting part will be, uh, you know, if he's kind of on like a, uh, you know, a a pitch count in a way early on uh, to save his legs for late in the season, even though we started with a pretty rough schedule uh, just because, um, you know, he's coming back from a pretty serious injury that took longer this summer to rehab than was originally thought. Uh, But, you know, he averaged 15 points a game in those 13 games last year. He was honestly the best scorer on the team uh, pre-injury, and Cassius really took off after, uh, partially because he had to lift the weight of not having Josh there. But I agree with you. It may be the most important position because there's not a lot of depth uh, as, like, natural twos behind him. Uh, If he were to go down, you would maybe have to put Kyle Arns at the two, probably, or move someone like Rocket Watts or – cash over the two, uh so which would be far from ideal. So Josh yeah. staying healthy is probably uh maybe the most important, you know, uh position on the floor, uh just for the lack of depth behind him. Yep.
0: Um yeah, I completely agree. Uh and that's where we move into the three spot. And to be honest, this is where I th- it gets just murky for me just from not knowing. Um who who's it Going to be the starting
1: three. Is that Henry? Uh, yeah, I would say Aaron Henry is going to be the starting three for sure. I think uh, the way he played down the stretch uh, into the NCAA tournament last year, there's no reason that he uh, he wouldn't be the guy right now at the three. And he, you know, he's capable of maybe with how athletic he is and how much of a good defender he is, uh, he could be an undersized four maybe. Uh, in a pinch, but he's for sure going to be the runaway three this season. Yeah,
0: and, and for those wondering, apparent preseason reports on uh, Aaron Henry are that he has taken the freshman to sophomore leap. Um, that We almost started to see him make on that ter- tournament run last year after the uh, whole debacle because he got yelled at by Tom Izzo. I believe he's the first yeah. person to ever be yelled at by Tom Izzo. So, understandably, yeah, and, you get the huge outrage over it. But, yeah, um,
1: Aaron Henry. The an story all year, too, because I know Brendan Quinn uh, from The Athletic had some great stuff about him last season, um, basically where uh, they, the coaches wanted him to shoot more, and he had such a rough start to the year that he literally just quit shooting. Um, and so he had a pretty rough season, That, to be honest, kind of underwhelming. And then he really found his game right about the Big Ten tournament. Uh, you saw that light go on, and once he started to get some shots to fall, he got more and more confident. And then he had an awesome game against LSU in uh, the NCAA tournament where he just kind of went off. So uh, I think he, he may be the guy who, if MSU is to, to reach the highest potential, it's because Aaron Henry took a big enough jump this year. Uh, I think that's going to be the key.
0: Yep, and uh, that brings us to the four spot, which is power forward. And I'm really intrigued what they do here. Um, I've heard some stuff about possibly Malik Hall being uh, put here, Um, but he is a freshman. Uh, Who do you think ends up starting? Because I see Tillman more as a five. No, I don't. I don't know what
1: I see. Uh, Who who, who
0: do you think starts at the four?
1: That's the thing, I think that you know, the four and five could really meld together. I I actually think your initial guess is probably right. I think Tillman will mainly be a five, um, throughout the season. So the four, despite what we said earlier about the depth and, and the importance of Laneford, I think the four is probably the biggest question mark. Uh, and that's not because of, uh, and and the main reason being is you just don't have someone that jumps out to you. Like, uh, like Josh Langford does at his position. You know, behind Langford, it does get pretty murky. Uh, but at the forwards, it's going to be probably the most wide-open competition. Uh, Malik Call could get in there. Um, but you also have Thomas Kivier, who in limited minutes showed some really good things last year. Uh, you have Marcus Bingham, who put on a lot of weight this summer, which is really key for him. He uh, was He was very skinny last year. Um, you know, I think you are just gotten bullied inside and, and he's someone that has the potential to really be a first round NBA talent if he can just put it all together. So, yeah, uh, I think my guy is, I think, you becomes the guy by the end of the year. Um, but at the beginning of the year, you may see, uh, some weird lineups with maybe Kyle Arns at the three and, and, you know, using, uh, Henry at the four, maybe, or, uh, you know, Tivier maybe earning the floor at the beginning of the season, but losing it to Bainham as the season goes on. Um, yeah, it'll be – I think that's the spot that's going to have the most rotation early yeah. in the season as, as Izzo just kind of plugs and plays and, and sees what combinations work uh, and what he's looking for situationally. Um, but I, I think if, again, kind of like we talked about with Aaron Henry, if this team reaches the very high potential – uh, that is in front of them, I think it will probably be Marcus Brinham at the fourth because um, he just has the highest ceiling at that mm-hmm. position.
0: Yeah, yeah, uh, and that may all make sense to me, and that brings us to the five, which is you – know, I, I was raving about Cassius Winston earlier, but oh. Xavier Tillman might be the best player on this team. Um, he just – once he was Izzo was forced to play him, when you mentioned like when Nick Ward got hurt, you could just see it immediately that something clicked in Xavier Tillman's head or body or whatever, but he was an absolute monster defensively and still was n- not too shabby on the offensive end. He's like one of my biggest players to watch in the entire country this year. Uh, it'll be really interesting to see what happens when he knows the starter role is his and – um yeah, I, I'm really intrigued to see. Uh, I'm assuming your thoughts are similar?
1: Yeah, Tillman is my favorite story on the team. Um, you know, uh, as for an MSU fan, he's probably by far and away the the favorite player. Uh, and that's more to do with, you know, it's not just to do with his on the court, but his off the court story as well. But, uh, yeah, he, you know, the, the difference that he made on both ends was so clear. Uh, he runs the floor as a five, which really allows MSU to get out and do their transition offense that they want to do um, because you force the defense back, which allowed Cassius to do a lot of pull-up threes or find Matt McQuaid or find Kenny Goins uh, as you were doing the transition offense. So that was very crucial for them. Uh, and then on defense, the that's where he really showed the difference between him and Nick Ward was he could come out to the three and guard you know, the more athletic fives, you know, thinking back to like the Michigan game. Uh, Xavier Tillman was on defense why MSU was in some of those games. Um, so yeah, he's he's gonna be exciting. You know, there's a lot of talk of him having the chance to play himself into being an early entrant in the NBA draft, and I think that's very warranted.
0: Yep. And I completely agree. Um, I believe we pretty much hit everybody on this team that's gonna be a contributor. Um, some other highlights. Just as I go through the roster, um, MSU has Foster Lawyer listed at six foot. That's a lie. Um, one hundred percent lie. St- and they have Stephen Izzo, Izzo, who is uh, Tom's son, listed at five eight. Does that mean he's actually five four? But it, uh, he's but yeah. Okay, he's I'll get away six, from the memes.
1: He's he's five six and pumps. Uh, yeah. <laughs>
0: Yeah. Um, Brock Washington, I think. He's a redshirt sophomore. Is he somebody who we could see this year?
1: Uh, not really. He's mainly been a walk-on. Um, he's a pretty talented kid, but uh, he he did play some in, like, mop-up duty uh, last year. Um, you know, he was one of the people that uh, had a situation during the Paul of the ESPN scandals and things like that. He had a uh, some type of a case. Uh, but that was brought up and then he was uh, either acquitted or I forget what kind of happened with the charges there, basically. Um, but, yeah, he, he'll be a mop-up guy, but I don't think he'll – with with how talented this roster is, that's probably what he'll mainly stay as.
0: Yeah, and then the only other person I uh, – the, well, there's a couple people, I guess. So, um, Julius Marble is a freshman forward coming in. Um,
1: he, yeah. I don't see
0: much playtime for him this year. Maybe
1: no, uh, especially if uh, Joey Hauser gets his, which we're still waiting on. And I, I don't think Joey Hauser is going to be made eligible by the NCAA. Uh, but if he is made eligible, I think marble is a redshirt candidate. And without it, probably not a redshirt candidate, but he's for sure a developmental guy that they, they want to yeah. see a couple of years down the road.
0: Yep. And, uh, and then Gabe Brown as a sophomore, uh, saw him in limited action, I believe last year. Um, was he one of the guys who was just super fun to watch on the bench?
1: Yes, he is. It's him and uh, Marcus Bingham were the yeah, bench bros. That's
0: what uh, I thought. Gabe up. was
1: actually probably the most famous bench bro. Um, yeah, he, he's a deadly three-point shooter. Um, you know, if he can get that going, that's – I find him as, like, a, you know, if he can get his defensive game up, he could be the new Matt McQuaid. Uh, you know, someone that's just deadly from three. and uh, But even a little bit better bigger and a little bit more athletic so uh if he can get the defense the defense up to like a McQuaid level um by his junior or senior year that could be kind of his role I think this year the talent in front of him is still going to keep his minutes probably a little bit limited uh but he could kind of spell like Aaron Henry or uh come in for a game where you need to get some quick threes to to get back into a game
0: yeah yeah and I uh uh, I'm in agreement with you there. Um, the last thing I want to talk about before we get into expectations, and I guess this kind of works as uh, a transition into the expectations for this team, um, is Joey Hauser because his waiver or not waiver, um, they, you know, he, he, he transferred this year from Marquette to Michigan State, and um, he's trying to get instant eligibility rather than having to sit out a year. Uh, we it's really up in the air right now. But Joey Hauser is a player. He's 6'9", 220 pounds. Um, He has a lot of talent. If he is made eligible this year, I think that lifts – and I'll just get my expectations for this team out of the way. I think that lifts you from right now without Hauser. I think it's your, your expectation to be go win the Big Ten and then see how the bracket falls for you because I think there are very few teams who before a season should be saying national championship or final four. I, I I don't view levels of the tournament as good barometers of success just because of how crazy the term tournament is. So I, I think this team without Hauser is go in the big 10, try and get that final four, but really you just got to see how the bracket lays for you. But the national championship is in reach especially if you hit your peak. With Hauser, I think they joined that elite club of a few teams who going into the season can say, yeah, national championship is our goal. That's it. End of story. Um, I understand completely because of the way that Twitter for both of our fan bases has been. With high expectations and how they react to the slightest bad thing happening so i completely agree if you're trying to st- stray away from that talk but as an outsider looking at this roster uh that's just what i see
1: no i think i think you're pretty much spot on i think big 10 uh, regular season championship to me seems like the absolute needs to happen um and to be honest, it shouldn't be something where it comes down to the end. It should be by winning the league by two to three games. Uh, that that's how much I think they are separating themselves at the top there. Um, and I just think that the Big Ten are going to cannibalize, kind of in that two to five spot. It could kind of be anyone's guess. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. So I think I think uh, you know winning the Big Ten regular season is uh, super important. Um, I agree with you as far as prognosticating the tournament. It it can all depend on a draw on a matchup, a, a tons of different things. I think the way that I look at it, preseason, no lower than a two seed. They need to be a one or a two seed. Mm-hmm. Uh, below that tells me that they probably lost some out of conference games, uh, or the Big Ten just wasn't as impressive. Um, but yeah, I think you know a one or a two seed uh, for sure into the national tournament, and then it just depends on the draw. Um, I honestly am so. Convinced that Joey Hauser, a probably shouldn't get the waiver and is not (laughs) going to get the waiver, but I haven't even really allowed myself to think too much about the difference that he makes on the roster, um, you know, for immediate playing time and everything like that, and kind of what it does to the rotation. Uh, So, you, I, I I think if he's on, I agree with you that it probably makes you more feel like it's got to be a one seed block versus a one or a two seed, Uh, but. You know, it's a pretty tough schedule. I think even playing their best, they're probably going to have a couple losses going into the Big Ten play. Um, so I, it's something where I think that a one or two seed uh, preseason makes the most sense for them.
0: Yep, and uh, and I agree with you completely. It's going to be a fun season in East Lansing for basketball, man. I uh, Personally, I, I would love to watch Michigan go and beat the Giants but literally I think the worst case scenario here is losing the big 10 by a game. I it, like, I think Maryland's got a really good team. I think Michigan is, is such a high variance team and we'll do a full preview for them two weeks from today. Um, it, it, but there's, I think Ohio state's a really good team, but I, yeah, I think the, that's the worst case scenario unless the injury apocalypse happens, which wouldn't even surprise me at this point with the way things have gone for Michigan State's football team and basketball teams in years past. (laughs) Um, I I think that's what we're looking at. And uh, it it should be fun for you guys.
1: Yeah, it should. I think it's going to be a really fun season. I think uh, um, definitely a a great schedule, too. You don't have to really... Uh, you know, I always look sometimes at, um, like I look at like Kentucky fans sometimes when uh, outside of maybe two out of conference games, when the FCC is down, it has to be so boring for them just waiting for March to see if their team is really as good as they think they are. MSU won't have that problem. We've got Seton Hall on the schedule and uh, the Gavit games. You've got the Maui Invitational going on, which presents a bunch of possible fun uh, matchups there. And then you have the, you know, the big matchup with Duke in December, uh, in the ACC Bay 10 challenge. So, yeah, my uh, word. tons, yeah, tons of good matchups that could come down the pike, uh, uh, for MSU pretty early in the season. So, um, it's going to be a really fun season. I think, uh, basketball is going to be one where we're going to go up and down for a few months, probably <laughs> where you just swing. If we lose to Duke, it's going to feel so awful. And then uh come march when you start to hit that roll it's just uh it's probably the basketball for me is probably the sport that I have the most fun with just because I'm so uneducated on a lot of things <laughs> it, it allows <laughs> me to get the most excited you know when I watch a hockey game we can win 6-1 and I can point out that we probably should have lost so I I find myself deflating my enjoyment uh and kind of the same with football too so basketball for me is the most uh the sports that I allow myself to be the most crazy fan in, as far as uh, just being the most optimistic and the most, I'm not going to ground myself. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, yeah, it should be a fun year uh, for basketball here in uh, in in East Lansing.
0: Yep, absolutely. And uh, with that, it's been a long one. We know, uh, but we had a lot to yeah. cover this week. And um, I hope
1: might- uh, I hope no one like sets their run to our podcast because if you do, I apologize. You took a little, <laughs> little extra run. Uh, the dogs went for an extra walk tonight. So
0: yeah. Um, yeah, long episode, but we had a lot to cover and it's probably going to be this way until football season ends, but you know, that's the fun of it. So, uh, we'll sign off. I, I'll leave my thoughts to Isaiah Todd committed to the Michigan basketball program about two and a half hours ago. I'll leave my thoughts on that to next week. Um, but yeah, Hope everybody has a great weekend. I really, really hope my Michigan-Penn State prediction is wrong. And, uh, Jeremy, enjoy the bye week.
1: Yeah, buddy. I, uh, I cannot hate my football team Saturday. Uh, you know, I'm going to knock every piece of wood that that means that there's not a massive stain of MIPs and there's you know, something crazy to happen. Uh, let's, uh, let's get through the bye week and, uh, yeah, show us something how we can beat Penn State next week. So beat them up on Saturday. Do whatever you need to do.
0: Yep, do whatever you need to do. All right, folks, thanks for listening.